Welcome to episode one of the Q&A at Lighthouse Reports, where we will be taking you behind the scenes of our investigations. Every month, we will be interviewing a lead contributor behind one of our recent investigations for practical insights into how these are conducted. My name is Beatriz Jamal de Silva, and I'm an investigations reporter at Lighthouse. Today, I'll be speaking with my colleague, reporter Gabriel Geiger, about the latest investigation in our surveillance newsroom, the algorithm addiction. This investigation is a deep dive into how discriminatory profiling algorithms used to predict welfare fraud have resurfaced in low-income neighborhoods in the Netherlands. Hi, Gabriel. So, you've been on this story for over a year. Can you speak about how you approached the investigation and how everything began? Sure. So, our algorithm addiction story um, comes as part of a larger investigation into the use of, of algorithms and welfare systems across Europe. And, and kind of what we mean by a welfare fraud algorithm is, is an algorithm that's meant to flag supposedly suspicious welfare recipients. Um, and usually those, those supposedly suspicious welfare um, recipients are then automatically put under oftentimes quite invasive uh, fraud investigations where they can have their benefits temporarily stopped. And, and with this specific investigation, um, the starting point was us sending Freedom of Information Act requests to major Dutch cities, um, asking them about what algorithms, if any, they were using to flag uh, welfare recipients for fraud. And uh, one of the cities we sent uh, an algorithm to was Utrecht, and it took quite a long time for it to come back, I think seven months or something. But when it did come back, we got an interesting answer, which, which was essentially that they weren't using an algorithm to, to flag everyone in the city for fraud risk, but they were just using one in the neighborhood of Overvecht, which is kind of a quote-unquote problem neighborhood in, in Utrecht. And, and the other interesting thing that kind of came back was that was, it was not just the city government of Utrecht that was doing this, but they were collaborating with the tax authorities, the employment authorities, the national benefit authorities. So that was really striking to us. And then, then what we figured out was that um, what was going on in, in Utrecht was really similar to something called CD. And CD was a similar sort of set of, of algorithms and software and, and a working process that was at the center of a lawsuit two years ago where a series of, of Dutch NGOs took the government to court and got this welfare surveillance system banned. What we essentially discovered over time and, and, and by um, speaking to experts was that the documents that we received proved that despite this landmark lawsuit that had gotten this welfare surveillance system banned, the government um, was essentially con silently continuing to, to do it anyways. Further reporting, and this was months of, of primarily FOIA work, showed that dozens of low-income neighborhoods across the Netherlands had been singled out in the same way as this neighborhood in, in Utrecht to be digitally profiled for, for welfare fraud risk. So Gabriel, you've mentioned the FOIA work that you did for the investigation. Could you walk through what other methods you used? You spoke to some of the welfare recipients that are featured in the story. What were they telling you? What kind of personal data was being processed and what were the indicators that they were being flagged for? Yeah, um, so this was definitely a very FOIA intensive investigation. I think probably 
for just this investigation, we've probably sent out 40 to 50 FOIAs and uh, oftentimes like quite contentious negotiations with, with government ministries to uh, what, about what documents they would release and wouldn't release. So that took a really long time and we were really lucky to have uh, Arjos, um, which is an investigative program in the Netherlands, uh, teaming up with us on this one and, and really helping um, to, so we kind of you know, divided the work. Beyond FOIA, um, it was indeed talking to welfare recipients who had been flagged as part of these projects, some of them who were subject to quite uh, invasive fraud investigations. We spoke to one woman who um, had fraud controllers you know, barging into her home, telling her that she had to cooperate or lose her benefits. Um, asking about her husband's sex life, uh, going through her underwear drawer, her clothing drawer, her laundry uh, while the kids were home. Um, so, so it, you know, another side of this investigation was piecing together the, the human interest angle and what's at stake here. And then uh, lastly, to, to your last question about what indicators can land people as flagged, um, we did obtain that through FOIA. Um, a massive amount of data is collected by... Um, different government ministries. This includes everything from your water and electricity consumption to the vehicles you own, to your debts, to your relationship status, to the size of your house. I mean, truly a massive amount of data. And, and things that can land you flagged include being a mother who uh, has a baby while on welfare, having a partner who lives abroad. So we obtained you know, lists of, of dozens of these suspicious indicators um, used by government agencies. There's already been quite a lot of impacts after the story came out. Could you speak a bit about what have been the repercussions since publication? Sure. So off the back of our findings, the same coalition of organizations that had taken this seedy welfare surveillance system that was earlier banned um, to court, they announced that they would be starting a second lawsuit based on our findings. So they were going back into court, taking the government to court, over what the system of welfare surveillance that we found. In addition to that, the ministry that's mainly responsible for these projects, the Ministry of Social Affairs, announced that it would be conducting an external investigation into the practices. Um, and finally, Peter Omgezicht, which is the MP in the Netherlands who is mainly uh, responsible for uncovering a childcare benefits scandal that happened a few years ago where, where 30,000 families were wrongly accused of benefits fraud um, and the government resigned because of it. Um, he has called for a debate based on our findings in the parliament um, and that passed. So in a few weeks time, there will be a debate, hopefully with the prime minister present. So I wanted to ask you, because you've been leading this investigation for so long, what did you feel were the biggest challenges whilst you were reporting on it? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge was, well, twofold. Uh, the first challenge is that this is kind of a very naturally complex story because we're talking about um, not just one algorithm or software, but a series of algorithms and software that all interact with one another. And meanwhile, that's kind of uh, housed within this uh, quite complex bureaucratic process that's meant to um, enable discrimination, essentially. Um, so unpacking that and sort of this web of partnerships between different government agencies and data sharing took a lot of time and was really difficult. Um, 
and and then a, a sort of like other step there was was then translating the you know what's the main finding here to a reader who is um, <laughs> going to find that complex web quite confusing and, and impenetrable. So that was one challenge, and and thankfully our partners did a good job of of um, of translating these findings. And and then the other challenge I think was uh, finding the human dimension to this. Um, so not just making the harms here abstract and finding human stories. And, and one of the main challenges there was, was welfare recipients um, being scared to tell their stories. Many of these people have been um, wrongly treated by institutions and are understandably very distrustful of them, of the media. So it took quite a bit of time to find someone who would be willing to tell their story, even anonymously. So, so I'd say those two main things. Thanks for listening. You can find the write-up for the Algorithm Addiction Investigation and links to the partner publications on the Lighthouse Reports website. See you next month.